Luke 19, 1, 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated it, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. All right, thank you, Felicity. Good morning, guys. It's good to see you. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, James. Somebody out there. Um, yeah, it's so good to be here again this morning. Uh, I probably say this every week, but can we just praise the Lord for, for the weather cooperating with us? Um, just been a real blessing. Uh, some of you, I'm sure we've said this too, but uh, our plan is to continue meeting here outdoors for as long as we possibly can. Uh, now that will come to a point where some of you who are tolerant of cold weather and some who are not, we might have some conversations. But we are uh, going to continue doing this for as long as we can. Because um, we do feel it's important that the body of Christ meet together uh, as, as much as possible. And, and, and so, um, yeah, just keep praying. Keep praying that Sunday mornings uh, are good. Uh, we can just pray for like at least 50 degrees Sunday mornings all the way through winter. Is that cool? Uh, so some of you might want to up that higher. But um, okay. So today, um, as we just read, we're going to look at Luke 19. This is actually we're, we're wrapping up our series in Luke uh, called that we're calling Stories of Hope. Um, and so uh, and this is um, and we're moving into a, a couple new things starting next week. Uh, you know, I don't know if you heard, but we actually have an election coming up. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. Um, so my next two weeks are going to be a two-week series on um, uh, the biblical view of ranked choice voting. And, uh, and this is going to be really exciting. You guys can't wait. Um, so for those of you who already voted, sorry, you're, gonna, you're not going to know what to do. But um, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun going through the Gospel of Luke uh, uh, together. Okay, so today, this passage in Luke 19 about Zacchaeus, it is a, it's a, a familiar story, right? If you grew up in the church, how many of you guys remember singing Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he? And I found out, though, that some people don't know that song, Kelly. I told her, I was like, can we do this in worship? And apparently, even if she knew it, she probably wouldn't have done it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a song that we used to sing in Sunday school as a kid. Um, but I really enjoy taking a new look at, at stories and passages uh, that we think we already understand, right? To kind of put a new lens and look at it. Um, and the fact is, is our circumstances and life influence the way we read scripture. Uh, and sometimes it changes and broadens our understanding of the scope of scripture. Um, for me, this is one of those stories. Now, like the, the broad strokes of the story are pretty familiar. Jesus is passing through Jericho 
uh, you, if you go the passage right before this, he just healed a man of blindness uh, right outside the city. So a whole crowd is following Jesus into the city. And this man, Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector, wants to see him. The problem is that he's short, so he has to climb a sycamore tree. Well, I don't even know what a sycamore tree is in order to see Jesus. Um, and then Jesus stops, invites himself over. Uh, and and at, the, at his house, um, Zacchaeus announces his, his repentance, right? And Jesus says, salvation has come here today, right? The, the, story, the broad strokes of the story are the same. They haven't changed since Luke wrote it. Uh, but you know when you revisit old stories and you see new things and you have like the awakening moment, right? Like uh, Noah and the Ark is not really about like a cute floating zoo or, you know, there may or may not have actually been three wise men. We don't know. And all these different things that you just kind of picked up when you were a kid, you have to re rethink. In Zacchaeus, this story is not really about uh, the short guy who had no friends, right? There's more to it than that. Um, and, and, and we've grown accustomed, you'll notice in this passage, that people are upset that Jesus is interacting with uh, a sinner, right? Uh, an outcast. Um, and we've grown accustomed to that. That is a common theme throughout the Gospels. Uh, but there's something different about Zacchaeus that makes this story problematic, right? Um, so Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and not just any tax collector, a chief tax collector. These are guys who, who collected taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire. And it's different than our tax system, which, let's truth be told, I don't understand our tax system. But there wasn't like an income tax. You make a certain amount and you give a certain percentage. They would just say, we need this much money. And then tax collectors before they sent it off to Rome, they would up the taxes and keep a bunch for themselves. Okay? Uh, and so what they would do is they would take advantage of people who could not keep up. Right? They, they, would, they were cheaters, right? This whole system that Zacchaeus was a part of, this whole system was just rife with, with injustice and cheating. There were little to no systems of accountability. Um, and Zacchaeus was a part of this right? He thrived from ripping off the poor. Uh, and, and we can't say he didn't passively benefit from this system. He was an active participant in this, in this injustice. Now, not all tax collectors may have been evil or may have been bad, but he was, okay? Um, but here's the thing. Zacchaeus's um, sin was more than just financial. It actually... It, it was an act of betrayal. Uh, that is, Zacchaeus worked for the people, the Romans, who were opp oppressing his own people. Uh, he would have been seen as a, as a traitor, right, to his people. If you were to list off the great traitors in history, right, we always used to say there's Judas, right, is the top traitor in the history of mankind. Somewhere in there, Benedict Arnold, right, for our American history buffs. Somewhere in there is Roger Clemens, um, in between those two, I would say. And there's others, right? And Zacchaeus was a traitor. He betrayed his own people. So you see, Zacchaeus was seen, rightly so, was seen as a sinner, but like a special class of sinner. He cheated people out of their money so that he could get wealthy, right? He grew wealthier as the poor got poorer. And he, and he did all this aiding this ungodly, oppressive empire at the expense of his own people. That's Zacchaeus. 
And yet, one day, Jesus shows up and invites himself over for dinner. Right? You have to remember, Jesus had these crowds following him. Um, and so this makes this choice of friends interesting, right? He was popular at this point. You notice the people who are upset, it says all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Right before this, when he heals this man uh, uh, in the passage at the end of chapter 18, this blind beggar, he heals a blind man, and all the people are praising God. Now all the people are mad at Jesus because he's going to eat with Zacchaeus. And it's interesting, right, that Jesus cared more about dispensing grace than he did about popularity. You understand that? He cared more about giving grace than he did about popularity. He wasn't worried. This is a, like a, a level of freedom that many of us, including me, probably have not attained. He wasn't worried about guilt by association, right? And so, and, and, but I think here, this is an important point. Uh, how many of you guys remember math class as a kid, the order of operations? Anybody? We actually did this with one of my kids. I can't remember which one recently. And I'm like trying to remember what the order of operations is, right? Um, and, and this is very important, right? This is extremely important in the Bible to get the order of operations right, right? Grace, repentance, salvation. Grace, repentance, salvation. If you mess up that order then you actually mess up the gospel. Do you understand? You mess up the gospel. Um, Jesus showed grace first. The fact that he even showed up and invited himself into Zacchaeus' house was an act of grace. No one else was going to do that for Zacchaeus, right? It's not something Zacchaeus earned. He didn't earn the right to have Jesus show up in his life, but Jesus did it. And it's that grace of God found in Jesus that is the foundation for this process of salvation, right? Now, repentance that comes before grace, right? When we insist that someone repent before we give them grace, that's not really grace. Do you understand? The grace of God came first. Now, grace doesn't always lead to repentance. We all know those stories. <laughs> but when it does, it results in salvation. It results in a changed life. And, and I'm bringing this up um, partly because if we were to train, do you ever do this game when you're reading the Bible and you're like, okay, if this happened today, like what would this look like, right? Uh, I don't think we have sycamore trees here and we don't, our tax collectors, you may not like the IRS, but it's not quite the same thing, right? And most of us, at least in theory, agree we should pay our taxes. Um, and you should, for the record. But... Um, I actually think this would be one of the hardest uh, stories for us to live out as a church, right? We would be that crowd of people following Jesus, and we'd be cheering, yes, look what he's doing, right? Kingdom of God, healing, and all this stuff. And then he shows grace to someone who we would have a harder time with. The sinful woman, remember from chapter 7 we talked about a few weeks ago? We would have grace for that, right? The woman caught in adultery, John 8, we would say, hey, let's show her grace, but this is a story that I think a lot, and I don't mean just us, I'm just talking about the church, our general age group, our demographic. This is one where we would be muttering, but Jesus, don't you know what you're doing? Don't you know who this guy is? Right? But then there are others who want to just give grace, right? Give grace to those who commit these uh, uh, injustices, who prey on the weak, 
And they give grace without any expectation of repentance, which is equally wrong and equally bad. I don't think that we can breeze over Zacchaeus's repentance in this story, right? His repentance in response to Jesus's grace. Because you'll notice it doesn't gloss over Zacchaeus's sin, right? He admits who he is and he admits what he's done. There, there's no hiding it. Um, and, and I find this interesting. This is a little side note, but um, have you guys heard the, the terminology of, I've seen this around, of um, like truth and reconciliation commissions? Have you guys heard this? And now I haven't like done a whole lot of research on how they actually plan out or play out, but just that concept of truth and reconciliation is so wonderfully biblical, right? So wonderfully biblical. There is truth to the things that people thought about Zacchaeus. He really was a cheater. He really was ripping off the poor so he could get wealthy. He really was aiding and abetting an oppressive empire. He really was doing all of those things. And, and, and so that, that admission, that confession of sin, admission to the truth of who he is and what he's done is necessary to get to the reconciliation part. Do you guys understand? It really is such a biblical concept. And you'll see here, uh, I, I kind of, in my mind, I say, okay, there's two marks that we see here. Two marks of true repentance. Two marks of true repentance in this passage. I'm sure someone already has more, and there's probably a book out there. But these two, uh, one is just that acknowledgement, that honest acknowledgement of sin. Zacchaeus was honest about his own sin. But second is that Zacchaeus turned from it. He didn't just confess it, but he did the opposite. He did the opposite of what he had been doing. What he had been doing was cheating people, right? What he had been doing was stealing from people. But now he's going to go the opposite direction. You guys probably have heard this. That's what repentance really means, right? Repentance is you're heading in one direction, and then you repent, meaning you do a 180 and go in the opposite way. It's not just saying, hey, I was wrong. It's saying, now I'm going to try, in a sense, make up for what I've done. And we're used to seeing this in hindsight, right? The Apostle Paul, persecutor of the church, right? Participated in the killing of Stephen. And he encounters Jesus and he repents and heads in the opposite direction, right? Uh, in history, we know plenty of stories. You know, I was thinking about John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. You guys know his story, that he was a captain of a, of a slave ship, or I think multiple slave ship. Uh, it was a process, but by the grace of God, he repented and went in the opposite direction and started working against the slave trade, right? We're used to seeing these things in hindsight. It takes an extra measure of faith and an extra measure of hope, right, to hold out that the grace of God would do this before it, before you see it. Right? And that's what Jesus brought to this situation. And Zacchaeus, you'll notice, even his repentance goes actually beyond just restitution, in my opinion. Uh, so he vows to repay those he, he's cheated um, four times, right? That's what it says in verse 8. I will, I will pay back four times the amount. Um, so it's not a one-to-one, -one, right? I cheated you out of $5, and I'll give you $5 back. He's like, no, no, I'll go above and beyond that. Here's 20 But not only that, right? He, he even says... Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Right? Now Zacchaeus is not responsible for all poverty. Okay? He didn't cause everyone to be poor. And yet 
He's taking ownership from his own wealth, right, to help solve this problem. This repentance is on the road towards that reconciliation, that restitution, right? He turns from completely selfish to generous when he encountered the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus say, right? Um, this, uh, this wording here, uh, because this man too is the son of Abraham. Sounds funny. I've never had one proclaim, and, and no one's ever said, Danny, you are son of Abraham, right? Um, and yet in the Bible, this is actually about as big a compliment as you can pay someone, right? They are in the family of faith, an inheritor of the blessing that God has given to Abraham and his, and his children by faith. Right, this man, this lying, cheating, traitor, oppressor, is saved. He is given the same status as a, as a son of Abraham, as experiencing salvation as all of us. Right? In this case, the lost, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, means all types of lost, including people as bad as Zacchaeus. Um, you can come up here. My, uh, my son pointed out to me. Hi, Luke. See, he was paying attention. Um, he said, you know, Dad, some of your sermons, uh, they talk about some of the same things. <laughs> Says a week or two to me, which is great. And he's right. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about hope and these stories of hope that we find in Jesus And, and, and again, because the word we feel like of the Lord for us in this season, right, is that we would be a people of hope, overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we've, we've, we've looked at this going back to, to week one when we look at in, in Luke chapter one, right, of the hope of God being faithful to his promises, right? We looked at the, the hope um, in Luke five, right? Because this is what I, I keep coming back to. What hope is there for those who are desperate and in desperate need of transformation in their life, right? Like that paralyzed man in Luke 5. What hope is there? And who else will bring forgiveness and healing if not Jesus through his people? What hope is there for like the, women, the woman in, in, in Luke 7, right? What hope is there for those who can be called sinful people? Who else, guys, who else is going to bring forgiveness and peace if not Jesus through his people, right? If you think about the, the, what hope for the vulnerable, right, the overlooked, the oppressed, who is going to bring justice? Who is going to bring life if not Jesus through his people? And even today, what hope is there for cheaters, for swindlers, for oppressors, for liars, right? Who else is going to bring grace and bring reconciliation and salvation if not Jesus and his people? The hope that we bring to the world, the hope that we bring to the area around us is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Guys. Right? His grace is the hope that we bring because his grace alone has the power to change lives. 